So if you're enjoying, appreciating, benefiting from this series of short talks by Padma Vajra on the life and liberation of Padma Sambhava, him channeling these lightning flashes from the blue beyond, then please do consider making a donation to Padmaloka. We're still in uh, uncertain financial times. This year we lost our main source of income, uh, our retreat income, and even though people are starting to return to Padmaloka now, uh, our costs have considerably gone up. Uh, given the various measures that we have to put in place. So although we've benefited enormously from people's generosity uh, throughout the year, we really need to keep that stream of generosity flowing. So do please consider giving what you can. You can do that by following the link that's attached to this video or beneath in our YouTube channel or visiting our website and making a one-off donation or taking out a monthly standing order. Thank you. The life and liberation of Padmasambhava has a cosmic background. The background is one of a great battle, a continuous battle, a continuous war between, if you like, the forces of light, the forces of enlightenment, the forces of the bodhicitta and the forces of darkness the forces of the world, the forces of samsara. In some ways, it's a dualistic vision, although not an ultimate dualistic vision, because in the end, uh, anything and everything can become enlightened, can become liberated. And in the life and liberation of Padmasamava, very, very early on, we're told the story of this great cosmic myth. It occurs in other texts, in Indian uh, Buddhism, Indian Tantric Buddhism, and in uh, Tibetan Buddhism. Uh, but it has a particular place in the life and liberation of Padmasambhava. It's the story of the birth of Rudra, Tarpa Nagpo, and the story, this great, a great demon, and the story of his conversion. So I'm going to tell you that story and reflect a little bit on elements of that story. So the story begins after the teaching of Samantabhadra. Samantabhadra being the primordial Buddha, primordial Buddhahood itself. Samantabhadra, the all-beneficent, the all-good, is that image of enlightenment that wakes up uh, when in the moment of self-liberation that wakes up immediately to pure awareness, pure non-dual consciousness. This is very, very subtle, this particular teaching that you find in the Nyingma Pa Zogchen tradition, which I won't go into now. But let's just say that this story takes place after eternity, after that which is outside of time and space. Now at that time, Padmasambhava took birth and became a monk as Tupka, with the name Tupka Jonu, in a land called Dujongsham. He was a great teacher, a great master. People would flock to him. And one day two men came to him, a wealthy householder named Kaukuntri, 
and his servant Pramadeva. They asked for a teaching, they asked to be ordained, and they were ordained. They were received into the Sangha. At the time of their ordination, Kalkuntri was named Tarpa Nagpo, and Pramadeva was named Dempak. And at the time of their ordination, uh, Tupka Shonu, Padmasambhava, really emphasised the importance of Sangha, of spiritual brotherhood. And Tapa Nagpo asked for an essential teaching from Tupka. O mantra guardian, great holder of mantras, what is the path that causes release from all extreme sufferings? And the teacher, with a radiant smile, Tupka, with a radiant smile, responded with a very enigmatic sounding teaching. In what is as it is, there's no contrivance. Though you live practicing the four evil matters, they are just like clouds in the sky. This is the path of genuine yoga. If you don't realize this, then throughout the three realms, no further stage among views will be found. The text adds, so he taught well the investigation of mind. The four evil matters are killing, stealing, sexual misconduct and telling lies. Tarpa, Nagpo and Dempak were delighted and they rejoiced that they'd been ordained. They would rejoice that they'd received such a teaching and off they went to practice. But they interpreted the teaching very differently. Talpa Nagpo interpreted the teaching literally. The text says, not realising the definitive meaning, his kleshas, his defilements, became inflamed, engrossed in the four evil matters, killing, stealing, sexual misconduct and lying. He maintained a religious deportment in body while his mind became foul. Denpak realized the definitive meaning, Denpak, his servant. His intelligence grew while he practiced correctly. His mind journeyed on the certain path and deviated not from the view, from the right view, from the perfect vision, although his outward deportment did not look so good. Then the two met and they argued, both believing that the other had misinterpreted the teaching. Tarpanagpo said, Klesha and pure awareness are identical. The defilements and the wisdoms are the same. You don't bother with cultivating tiresome virtues. You can't get enlightened, enlightened like that by cultivating virtues. Dempak insisted that if you have a vision of a perfectly pure consciousness, you make every effort to purify yourself completely. You must strive to develop virtue. And the conflict between the two disciples became very serious. And in Buddhist tradition generally, any conflict between disciples of the same teacher uh, among those ordained is regarded as extremely serious, especially in Tantric Buddhism. This is one of the great breaches of Samaya, the bond between the disciples of the same teacher. And you can see how significant Tubka's 
uh, exhortation to the practice of Sangha was at the time of ordination. So they got into serious conflict about the nature of Buddhist practice. So they decided to go and find their teacher, Tubka, to ask him to decide who was right. They both had faith in him, both trusted him, they regarded him as upright and honest. And Tubka Shonu said clearly, plainly, Dempak is right. He has interpreted the teaching correctly. You make every effort, you make every effort to purify yourself, having seen the nature of pure awareness. And at this, Tarpa Nagpo flew into a terrible rage. He had a massive reaction. His intense pride took over. He just thought, well, the master's an ordinary person just like me. And then the text describes the life he plunged into. Then the monk, Tarpanagpo, turning himself to the activities of the hunt and other worldly ways, incapable of reciting the mantras for the contemplation of the deities, violated in his savage soul his vows to his teacher and his brother. He enlarged and multiplied endlessly the doors of the Dharma instead of weighing the two doctrines of sutra and mantra as he should have. Tarpa, following the inclination of the logic dear to himself, led everyone astray on an evil path. In his aberration he freed the male demons and gathered the female demons under his power. And he took the dead into the charnel houses in order to have his fill of them. He put on human skins which caused him to have scabs. Instead of cattle, he raised bloodhounds and other beasts with rapacious instincts. Assembling the courtesans, he consecrated them and took sport in luxuries. The nature of the four substances was digressed. Among the ten iniquities, he presided over evil hangings, and the lords and the armies resembled brigands. So this is what can happen, the message seems to be, when you understand profound teachings. Perhaps Tubka Shonu wasn't perhaps too careful with his teaching, because it's also a bit of a lesson in how careful we need to be in explaining the Dharma so that people don't misunderstand. Certainly, Tapanagpo profoundly misunderstood the teachings on pure awareness, pure non-dual consciousness. He felt extremely proud. This is another message from this particular teaching, how proud and egotistical you can become when you practice the Dharma, especially if you have a bit of a following, especially if you have some wealth. Uh, your pride can take over. You can become monstrous uh, in your reactions and in your indulgence. You fall further and further away from the profound Dharma. It's a theme throughout Buddhist tradition. We can see it in the story of Devadatta and the Buddha, and you see it in, in many other places, the danger of conceit. It's also, I think, another kind of teaching. Perhaps there's even a sort of deeper message here in some ways. In this 
tradition in the Nyingmapa tradition, the tradition of the great perfection, the tradition of Atta Yoga, of Dzogchen, uh, there's this emphasis on primordial purity, primordial Buddhahood, that in some way or other, enlightenment is already present. Yet at the same time, we know that the world is a very dangerous and evil place. Sangsara is manifest before us. Perhaps this particular story is telling us there is always the possibility of either waking up to primordial Buddhahood or equally there is the potentiality of becoming ourselves demonic. Both possibilities are there. The realisation of enlightenment out of time, in this moment, or plunging ever deeper into samsara. When we take up this life, when we take up this precious human existence, when we start to go deeper into our lives, when we take up our Dharma practice, the options can become very stark. Either full, glorious Buddhahood, or something far worse. Perhaps this text is telling us mediocrity, which is what we often settle for, isn't really possible. Either the glory of Buddhahood or the demonic realm of birth and death. Padmasambhava shows us the way out of this dilemma. <laughs>